0: Morning, everyone. Just want to uh, say thank you to our team this morning, especially the guys who are working hard up here this morning, trying to get. Uh uh, you know, jerry rig kind of computer and, uh, data projector and things like that. Uh, it's a tremendous amount of stress that they sort of feel when things, uh, all of a sudden go on the fritz, the, uh, data projector and things like that. And, uh, you know, sort of all of the pressure that's on them to sort of try to get everything all, uh, all set up. So thank you to all those, uh, folk today and also to our team who have had a bit of a spanner thrown in the works today. Uh, Janine, God did very well this morning through, uh, through you and the team. Thank you for that. We're going to uh, conclude our service. Conclude our service. Conclude our series. Our preaching series this morning. Uh, You don't get out of it that easy. Trust me. Really, conclude our preaching series this morning in Deuteronomy. We've been, uh, you know, journeying through this book for uh, for quite some time now, and it's been wonderful just to see how uh, you know God has has been teaching us through this beautiful Old Testament uh, book, the last uh, the last book in the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible. And of course, the series has been entitled "Choose Life," and uh, you can see where we've uh, actually managed to pick up this uh, this particular. um, uh, title for this series because we find it here in our passage today in uh, in verse nineteen. One of the things which um, you know we I've uh, just have really been um, encouraged by it through you know, through this going through this series has been that uh, you know how. Um, God has just used it to sort of uh, again, just, re- you know, I think remind us all that, uh, that He is, He's, he's been that, that ever faithful God, that same God right the way through history, right the way through the history of His people, from, from Old Testament through to New Testament. You know, sometimes people will think that God is this, this, this uh, you know, he's, he's different in the Old Testament to what He is in the New Testament, that He's the God of, of, of wrath and that sort of thing in the Old Testament, but He's this God of, of grace and love and faithfulness in the New Testament. And that's not the case. God has been true to his character right the way through, and I think we've seen this very much through Deuteronomy the, the faithfulness of God to his people and the, the love that he's had from the way in which he's worked on their behalf. And, and he's the same God, you know, for us today. The same God that was for these people back here, some, you know, several thousand years ago in this, in this book in Deuteronomy. He's the same God that, uh, that is our God today. And he has the same purposes for us as his people today. And I think that's something that we can uh, take a great deal of of comfort and assurance and and hope as well. As we've seen God sort of work out these purposes for his people here, he's working out those same purposes for us. So let's pray and let's ask him this morning to uh, to truly bless this last message in this series. Father, we thank you this morning for for your goodness and for your faithfulness. We want to thank you that you are a God indeed, who uh, has, um, you know, just shown your your power and your might, you know, right the way through our history, particularly with the history of your people, Israel. But Lord, you've you've done it in our lives too, through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to praise you and thank you for that today. We want to ask this morning, Lord, that you would uh, just. Um, use this this last message in this series of Deuteronomy to uh, to to really challenge us about you know where we stand with you today. That you might use it as a, a means of um, of just uh, bringing to the forefront of our minds whether or not we indeed have chosen life in our lives, or whether or not we are still walking in darkness. We pray, Lord, that uh, you'd help us to know that um, that you indeed offer us life and life abundantly and life, Lord, which is so rich and so beautiful. And so precious that, Lord, as a life lived with you, and we pray that uh, this morning, as we hear these words, they won't just be words that just you know fall on our ears and and then just sort of dissipate into the you know into the atmosphere. But Lord, they'll just resonate in our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. And, uh, and Lord, help us today to, um, yeah, to truly um, be people who have, have got a real attention, a real attentiveness to our, to our listening, and a real attentiveness to our understanding today. For we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. I expect that many of you are familiar with the uh, the old proverbial saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Of course what this proverb means is that, you know, you can give someone the opportunity to, to learn or to, you know, just to, to, to do something, but you can never force them to actually accept that, uh, that opportunity. You know, you can with the very best intentions point out all of, all of the benefits of a particular course of action and, and all the pitfalls and that sort of thing, but you cannot force someone to actually follow that course of action. I remember as a driving school instructor many, many years ago that um, that uh, every now and again you get people who just ring you up and, and actually just book your car for a for a lesson and a test. They didn't want to take a whole heap of lessons with you but they just wanted to use your car for the test on the day and so they ring up and, and I'd take them for an hour's lesson beforehand just to sort of go over with them what to expect on the test and sort of try to help them you know, just perhaps address some of those bad habits and things which the, the examiner would pick up on and which might end up sort of failing them. It was interesting that the people who um, that would do this were sometimes people who had actually had a license before, but had lost it for whatever reason, and they were just having to to resit their driving test again to get it. And generally, it was these people, these people who kind of had had that driving experience before, who wouldn't listen to you. You know, you could sort of, you know, for an hour, tell them the same thing over and over and over again, and uh, try to sort of, you know, give them the the, you know the right kind of uh, approach to taking the test. But they they'd done it before; they they knew what it was all about, and uh, and they wouldn't listen to you until it came to when they came back and they failed that test and then it was time to take it again another time. Then, they would, then they'd come along and actually you know, might listen to, uh, to what you'd have to say. Why is it, do you think, that we can be so stubborn at times to heed wise instruction? Isn't that the case? That we can be so stubborn to heed instruction? I mean, failing a driving test is one thing but, but I think failing at life is something completely different, don't you? Yes, if we fail to hear and heed these words of Moses in this passage this morning, that's precisely what we are in danger of doing. This morning, this message is really a message about what the passage says. It's about a message about life and death. But it's not just talking about people out there. It's actually talking about you and me as individuals. This is God's message to each and every one of us this morning. And this morning through his word, God is going to present each of us with a choice. Just as he did with his people through his servant Moses here in this passage on the plains of Moab, you know, back before the the Israelites were to enter into the land of Canaan, the promised land that God had, had promised right the way back to the time of Abraham. God's going to set before us today a choice, a set of conditions. And, well, yes, this is, that's right, there it is. I'm looking up there, Pete, and it's not working, is it? <laughs> he's going to set before us a choice. He's going to set before us a set of conditions. And he's going to set before us a set of consequences. And God willing, he's going to help me to lead us all to the water this morning. But ultimately, it's actually going to be your choice as to whether or not you'll drink. You'll drink from the word of God. So let's begin this morning by looking at the choice then. in verse, See that in verses 15 to 19 of our passage today. It says, For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. And so Moses says, see, I have set before you today. I'm laying it out before you today, life and good, death and evil. There's the choice. And the Bible very clearly points out that there are really only two paths or two roads in life. One that leads to life and one that leads to death. So Moses is saying here in this passage, I've set before you today a choice. You can either choose life and good or you can choose death and evil. I mean, the choice couldn't be made any clearer, could it? It couldn't be set out any clearer in, you know, in the terms that Moses has set it out for the people. You know, in all these words that Moses spoke, he had, re- he had reaffirmed to the people of God God's powerful work on their behalf. He'd taken them right the way back to the Exodus. He'd reminded them of how God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt, how he'd acted in a powerful and mighty way to to bring them out of Egypt and then through the Red Sea. He'd reaffirmed God's grace to them, God's promises to them. He'd showed them how to live so that they might experience blessing and goodness in their lives. Moses had even pointed out to the people the wonderful possibilities of the future and the confidence that they could have in God that He would be able to bring these, these possibilities about for them. As they prepared to enter, I mean, they, here they were, camped on the, the western, uh, sorry, the eastern shore of the, of the Jordan River. They were able to look across the river and see the land there out spread out before them. This land that God had promised, and Moses saying, Look at the possibilities. And he's saying these are, these are the things which God has in store for you. And if you'll just trust Him, if you'll just walk in His ways, if you'll just be obedient to Him and do, and live the kind of lives that He wants you to live, then you're gonna walk into that land and it's gonna go well for you. That's not to say that it was gonna be a bed of roses. They still had to go in there. They had to, they had to conquer the land. They had to fight for it. They were going to have to go up against fortified cities and giants and, and all kinds of threats and dangers and challenges in that, uh, in that environment. But God had already said to them that they said, oh, But I will go and I will fight for you. And not only will I fight for you, but I will give you this land. That was what Moses was saying. I have set before you a choice today. And it was up to the people to choose, life or good or death or evil, blessing or curse. The fact of the matter is is that it wasn't just a choice that the people had to make an affirmation in their minds. It was actually, uh, it involved a whole pattern of life based on that decision, based on that choice that they were making. And it's the same with us when we come to when we, God presents us with a choice to follow him it's not a it, it's not just about this this mental ascent in our heads and saying yeah god i you know i love you and i'll, I'll you know i'll follow you and that sort of thing it that means it's got to be backed up by our actions it's got to be a pattern of living of living in god's ways So that's the choice that was presented. Then there was the conditions. We see that in verses 16 to 17 of our passage this morning. The way of life and good is laid out for us in verse 16, where it says this. It says, for if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The way of life and good involves obeying God's commands. It means having a genuine love for God, a heart for God, a desire to want to live wholeheartedly for Him, to treasure Him in our lives. You know, when we when we say that you know we love someone, it's not just a matter of just words. It's actually we we then seek to show them that we love them, don't we? No, we don't. Okay. We do, we, 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 we do all different things. We buy people gifts, we, we, you know, we invest our time and our efforts and our energies into people. You know, we express it through words and through actions and that's what God, is. You know, if we truly want to follow God, if we want to live in, you know, in this, this life of, of, of goodness and that's sort the of thing, if we want to you know, um, just bathe in the blessings and the goodness of God, then God says you've got to love me because that's where you're going to find the richness of life. That's where you're going to find the depth and the meaning and the purpose to life. That's where we're going to find this richness to to life that that can only be found in God and in a relationship with Him. It involves also a complete submission to God, recognising that, God, your wisdom's far better than my wisdom. Your ways are far better than my ways and I want to surrender to you. I want to submit my life to you. I want you to be the authority in my life. I want to recognise that you know what's right and good and perfect in everything, in every aspect of my life. And therefore I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to submit myself to you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you even though things might appear on the surface to me as though how on earth can God bring good about this or, or we might find ourselves in circumstances or situations where we think, God, what are you doing? It's this submission to him and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you deeply and I'm going to submit to you. This term good here is the same one that's used in Psalm 23, verse 6, where it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That term good, it speaks about a prospering and a, a thriving, if you like, like a plant that's, that's planted in rich and, and fertile soil. And yes, it's a plant that might have to endure the, the harsh sun and the wind and the rain and, and flood and drought and things like that, but its roots are deep and it's nourished and it grows and it produces its fruit in season. Like Psalm 1, 3 to 4, where it says, you know, The person who delights in God is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so. They instead are like chaff that the wind blows away, that drives away. Here again, we see this contrast. And yes, life will indeed certainly have its challenges and its trials. But for the person who trusts in God, Who seeks to live according to his ways, then they can be assured that God will indeed enrich their lives in a way that we could never ever experience in any other way. That God will indeed bring blessing out of hardship. That the close, that that God's closeness of his presence will be with us always. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He will carry us. He will strengthen us. He will uphold us. He will keep us safe. We can be guaranteed of the warmth of his grace and of his love in our day-to-day lives. And we can have that confident hope that we will be forever his, even when this life is over. I just want to take you back to Psalm 23 for a minute. Remember the psalmist's words? He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I'll want for nothing. I'll lack nothing. If the Lord is my shepherd, the the psalmist had this real confidence of knowing that, that, that there is nothing that I will lack having God as my shepherd. He will bring me to green pastures and lead me beside still waters where he will refresh my body and my soul. My soul will be restored the psalmist says. There are times in your lives where you just, you just feel as though there's, there's just nothing left. That the world has just beaten you down and battered you down. The trials and the hardships of life. The challenges and all those sorts of things. And you, and you just think, well, you know, I don't even know where my next you know, little tiny bit of energy is going to come from. The Lord says, if you just trust in me, if you rest in me, He says, I will lead you to these pastures. I'll lead you beside these still waters and I will bring about a refreshing and a renewing in your heart and your soul and your body. And yes, we'll encounter deep and dark valleys and we will face death. But in the midst of that, the psalmist again had this incredible confidence that I need not fear because God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His presence will bring comfort. He protects us and he will bring us safely through. Some of you today have got wonderful testimonies about how God has done that. In a few weeks' time, you're going to hear from, uh, from Roz Chamberlain. You, many of you are familiar with, with Roz and the fact that she's been you know, battling cancer for, for, for the last couple of years. And, how, and she's going to share with us a bit about how God has just really you know, just helped her in her life and how he has been her shepherd and how he has led her beside you know, these pastures and beside these still waters and how he's refreshed her and renewed her in her spirit. How he's protected her and how he's just drawing her and bringing her safely through. And she's got this wonderful confidence that even if her life was to end tomorrow, that she will be with the Lord forever and ever. That's the confidence we can have. That's the life that God wants us to choose this morning, to have him as our shepherd. But in verse 17 it says, But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. There's no ifs, buts or maybes here. He says you shall perish. This is the way of death and evil, to deny God, to reject him, to worship and serve other things apart from him. God is giving us all a choice to love him and worship him, the one who who gave gave us his life the one who gave his life for us in order to secure us, in order to redeem us for himself, that we could be his children, that we might participate in all the blessings of, of, of him and, and all of his goodness and all of his, all of his riches. I mean, he's the one who gave us our lives in the first place, isn't he? You are sitting here in this place this morning with breathing in the breath that you have because God has been gracious to you in giving you that. He wants us to surrender our lives to him, remembering that that he knows and he wants only for our good. But sadly, we still see ourselves and others denying God and rejecting God and choosing to go after the things of this world, the false gods, the idols and giving our attention and our devotion and and our effort and our resources and our time and our energies to these things, chasing after them as though they can promise us life. And yet God says, it's only through me. All this stuff, yeah, it might appear good on the surface, but but ultimately it leaves us empty. Oh, how many times have just recently I've actually heard people who have you know, just talked about the fact that they've had everything that this world kind of offers, all of the money, the fame, the wealth, the prosperity, the status, all that sort of stuff, and still they are emptied in their souls and in their hearts. There is nothing. And they're wondering, what on earth have they got to do? What have, what have, they, got to, what have they got to find in order to fill that hole in their hearts, to fill that void in their lives? There may be some of you today who yourself are experiencing that in your own heart. Wondering, what have I got to do to fill this? I know that there's this 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 place within me that just yearns for something far greater, something far more than whatever this earth can offer. That person is God. And the reason we deny him and the reason we reject him is because we've been fooled. Fooled. We've been deceived into believing that God himself cannot be trusted. That we, he cannot be trusted with our lives. That all God's interested in is robbing us of our freedoms. He wants to take away our enjoyment and our pleasures and our fun. And can I say that, yes, in following God, there is a sacrifice that has to be made. We're called to deny ourselves and to take up our cross daily, Jesus said. If you want to follow me, this is, this is the path. It's a path of self-denial. It's a path of self-sacrifice. It's a path of recognising that we need to submit ourselves to God. Of recognising that we are people who are sinful, who have denied God, who have rejected Him, who have walked away from Him and need to be reconciled to Him. We need to be willing to put the priorities of God and His kingdom ahead of our own. This is the pattern of life that God is calling us to to be willing to serve instead of be served. But here is the irony, that it is in this way that we discover what real living is all about. We experience a level of blessing that cannot be known or cannot be known through any other means. Jesus says in Luke 9, 24, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it or will find it. Jesus said if you're willing to just let go and hand your life over to God, over to Him, then that's where real life is found. Well, that's the conditions. And then there are the consequences we see in verses 18 to 20. And Moses plainly states that if the people love and obey God, it will go well with them. But if they reject him and choose other gods, then they will surely perish. Because in verse 20 it says, It is God alone who is their life. Do you see that in verse 20? He said, It says, For he is your life and length of days. God is your life. He is the source of life. And sadly, we, 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 we don't treat God like that in our lives today. We don't treat God as though he is our very life. There are so many other things that take priority in our lives today. There are so many other things that crowd into our lives and to our agendas that, we, that, that, that our lives are, consist of those things and God gets pushed to the edges, doesn't he? God says, I am your life. And that's what Moses wanted the people to see. The fact that they were here on the edge of the promised land proved to them that God could be trusted. For this indeed was the fulfilment of his promises to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, as Moses says here in, this, in verse 20. The fact that you're actually standing here just about ready to go into the land, doesn't that prove to you that God can be trusted? It's interesting, Jesus himself in teaching a large crowd one day pointed out this very same thing that Moses is pointing out to the people today, that there are really only two paths in life. Matthew chapter 7 says that one path will lead to life and one will lead to death. The path to life is a narrow one. Its gate is small and only a few find it. The path that leads to death and destruction is an easy one and its gate is wide. And sadly, many are on this path. I think we can surmise from this that what Jesus is saying is, you know, guys, we shouldn't be content to follow the crowd on the easy road. We should not be content to follow the crowd on the easy road. And yet we so often do. that road that is lit up with all the flashy neon signs promising everything under the sun, those things which distract our attention, which consume our thoughts and our energies, but ultimately which consume us, that path that, that basically is a, is a conveyor belt, if you like, that, that eventually drops off the ends into this chasm of darkness where we ourselves will, will find that we will live forever and ever with torment and with deep regret for not choosing more wisely sadly today there are some here in this congregation who are on that path that path that leads only to death and destruction and God wants you to to realise that today to know that he is offering you a choice today of life and good or death and evil. And you can't ignore God's words to you. Because if you do, you ignore it to your peril. Because today might just be the very one time that God is actually giving you a chance to respond to the life that can only be found in him. You might walk out of the building today and may never set foot back into church again. You may never, ever give God a second thought until it comes to the day which is the end of your life and all of a sudden you realise, what have I done? What have I done? As we finish off today, I just want to just bring before you just there's just one caveat in this in this particular passage that, that Moses wants the people to understand okay this one thing to beware of and to and to to really ha- you know get their heads around to understand and that is that, that it's found in verses 11 to 14 speaking about the word and the fact that it's near them you know sometimes when we make the wrong choice we can be very very quick to blame others can't we when we make the wrong choice to absolve ourselves of responsibility for our actions. Now, I once heard a teenager who was interviewed um, after he was caught stealing a car and he, he said that it was the owner's fault because the owner had left the keys in the ignition and so the owner was just asking, he was just begging for his car to be stolen. It wasn't my fault, it was his fault. I mean, this kind of behaviour, this kind of attitude, it's, just, it's as old as mankind, folks. Because there in the garden of Edom, Adam and Eve, they were given a choice. God says, you know, you can eat of any of the trees in the garden apart from one. The tree in the center of the garden, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says of this tree, you must not eat of it unless you will surely die. And what do they do? Wow, that tree looks pretty good. That fruit looks pretty good. The devil's there whispering in their ears. And so they eat of the fruit and God comes walking in the garden, you know, and he says to them, where are you, Adam and Eve? Oh, we're here in the, we're hiding in the bushes, God. Well, why are you in the bushes? Because we're naked. Who told you you're naked? Have you been eating of the tree that I told you not to eat of? Hmm, well, God, Adam says, that woman that you gave me, she made me eat of it. So, in other words, God, it's your fault and it's her fault, it's not my fault. And he says, That serpent, he deceived me and I ate it. It wasn't my fault, it was his fault. The reality is that God is gonna hold every single one of us accountable for our actions and our choices, and they're gonna He's not gonna accept any excuses. There are not gonna be any excuses. This is what Moses is making clear in verses 11-14. The commands that Moses was giving to the people to, to hear and observe and obey, it wasn't as though that they could plead ignorance. It wasn't as though the word was too hard for them. Moses is saying the word isn't too hard for you, neither is it far off. Moses is saying here that, you know, folks, this word that I'm telling you, these words I'm telling you, they're comprehensible. You can understand them. Not only can you understand them, but you can also obey them. They were more than capable of obeying what God wanted them to do. Certainly not perfectly. And certainly they went to obey them in you know to, to earn God's favour, because God had already rescued them. God remember God gave them the law after He rescued them in the Exodus? That tells us that you know we can't earn God's favour. God blesses us with that, but then he calls us to a certain life, a certain way of life. And we can live in a way that does please God and bring blessing. It wasn't as though this way of life was unknown to them or beyond their reach. It wasn't in heaven, it wasn't beyond the sea, Moses says. No, indeed, the word was very near them. It was in their mouths and in their hearts so that they could know it and they could follow it. And folks, today God has revealed his way of life through his law that he he was giving to the people through Moses and he's revealed his way of life to us today through Jesus Christ. God has revealed his way of life to us. Jesus himself says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one enters into life apart from surrendering to him. Apart from putting their faith and their trust in him as saviour for each and every one of our sins. We cannot enter into God's life any other way. Jesus is the gate. That narrow gate that is spoken of back there in Matthew 7, that's Jesus. He's the gate. And we only enter into this, this new life, this path of life, this road to life through him, through a surrender to him. We either accept him or we reject him. We either admit our desperate need for him to be the sacrifice for our sin, to turn God's wrath away from us, his righteous wrath. We either accept that He that, uh, admit that, that, that God's way is the right way for us and that every other way only leads to death. We reject the lies of the devil in this world and we seek to walk in the light of God and his truth. Or we just... We just go about our own way. We go about living our lives as we please, but ultimately, the consequence will come back on us. I mentioned at the start of the message this morning about you can't lead you can you can lead a horse to water, but you're not able to make it drink. In John 7, verses 37 to 38, Jesus, there in Jerusalem at a feast, stood up and he said these words. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that the kind of life we want? Isn't that the kind of life that we yearn for, that we want to strive after, to to have that that living water, that that living, life-giving water that not only flows into us, but flows out of us? And so we are blessed and others are blessed, and God is ultimately glorified through that? Each of us is desperately thirsty, folks. Each of us is desperately looking to quench that spiritual thirst with all manner of artificial things. But when it comes down to it, ultimately we're drinking from dirty, stagnant pools of water, believing, oh, that these are so good. When right next to us is the living, beautiful, fresh, flowing, cool and clear water of Jesus Christ, the one who who alone can quench that deep thirst within us. It's an interesting image, isn't it? We go to the world and we you know we sort of tend to you know want to find our our first quenches out there and yet Jesus says, you know what, you're just drinking from these dirty, muddy footholds in the in the in the ground that just they're putrid, and yet we, we drink from them and we think, Oh, this this is so good. And yet that beautiful flowing water of Jesus Christ is there available to us. Each and every one of us. He is indeed the life-giving water. And this morning it's your choice. It's your choice. But like Moses this morning, I urge you, choose life. Choose God. Choose Jesus to lead you and to guide you. Surrender to Him. It might be the first time that that, that you've ever heard a message like this. It might be the first time that, that God has really ever challenged you in your own heart about where you stand with Him. And He's saying to you today choose life, choose me. That you may live long and long and, and length of days in the land. God's not saying, you know, that, that we can expect a life of prosperity and that sort of thing in this life. But what He's talking about is that, you know, the, the, that our life will seem so rich and so de- so full of meaning and purpose that it does seem as though it's just a, a you know a long beautiful life. Some of you today you've been walking this this journey with God for some time, but you know, you've sort of started to get away from the living water and you've gone after these these dirty, muddy pools in the grounds, thinking that they can satisfy your thirsts. Thinking that these things in this world today have got so much to offer and they've got so so much joy and pleasure that they can bring you. But God is saying, you know what? Those things are only going to lead you to a path of, of, of misery and a path of hurt and a path of pain and a path of hardship. Why would you choose that? Why would we choose that? It's foolishness, isn't it? God says, choose life. we going to come around the communion table now. I might ask the stewards if they'd like to come forward. These elements this morning are very, very simple. They're just a, a piece of bread and, and, a, and, a, and a small bit of grape juice. But they speak so much of the life that is available to us in Jesus Christ. They speak of the, the means by which that life was secured for us through Jesus. That as he surrendered his will to God... As he surrendered his, his life to God and he came and he died on the cross. Remember you to call in the garden? He said, God, if this cup can be taken from me, please let it be so. But not my will, but your will be done. In other words, God, I'm going to trust you in the midst of this. And he went to the cross and he went and he suffered all of that shame and all of that, that suffering on our behalf so that we might have life and have life to the full. That's what these elements speak of this morning. And so when we partake of these elements, we're partaking of them, recognising the life that Jesus offers us. And we give thanks to him for that. But we also, when we, when we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we look forward to the future when Jesus comes again and we look forward knowing that, God, we, we, we want to be walking in that life that you've given us. And so there's a a kind of a a, a transaction that kind of takes place. Nothing magical about the elements, but in our hearts when we say, God, we thank you for that life. Help us to walk in that life. So when we accept this bread and we eat of this bread and we drink this cup this morning, that's what I want you to remember with God this morning. That you're saying, God, I want to thank you for that life. Help me to walk in that life. If you're a person today that you haven't come to that point in your life yet, well, out of respect for for these elements and for what they mean, I ask you just to let those pass you by. There's no shame in that. But can I ask you today to seriously consider the choice that God is giving you and that you might choose life. And if that is the choice that you are making, then by all means, then take of the elements. And then I want to speak to you after the service because I want to to tell you, I want to explain to you what God has actually done in your life and what what he's going to lead you into in the future. There are days I get up here in this pulpit and I wish God I was more... It's a word. I had better words. But then again, God reminds me, you know what, Duncan? It's actually not your words. It's actually the work of my spirit. And right now, this morning, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit is indeed speaking to every one of your hearts as he is in my heart today. That is the voice of God, folks. That is the one who loves us with an everlasting love, a steadfast and faithful love. A God who wants what's best for us as his children, as his creatures. You can trust him. You can trust him with every aspect of your life today. And so as you to partake of these elements this morning, please give thanks to God for them. But take them knowing that you can trust God absolutely, completely, wholeheartedly for your life, no matter what you're facing. And he will bless you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for this time together around your word and through this series in Deuteronomy. And Lord, it's been a a beautiful uh, reminder today of the fact that you have indeed given us life, given us life in your name through Jesus Christ. And as we partake of these elements this morning, I pray that 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 will very much just resonate in our hearts. Help us to give thanks to you. Help us to choose life today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to hand the elements out. I ask you just to eat of the bread and drink of the cup in your own time, and then uh, the, uh, the stewards will come afterwards and, uh, and collect those. Okay? Thank you.